Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, which is full of jars of eyeballs that continuously blink, haunted brooms, and a talking parrot? I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Now, Mikey, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. Uh, what went down in your life outside the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? This is actually a real thing that happened to me. Uh, I okay. have a friend who has children, which in, okay. in and of itself is scary. They are always after something. They need money or Cheerios or something. That's a, a whole headache. But this friend of mine was telling me about how often her son sees ghosts and then... She told me a specific story wherein she took her son to a friend's house. Okay. And the friend said, Mom, there is a little girl in the corner of this room and she won't stop looking at me. And then we found out from the mom's friend, oh yeah, a little girl died in that room. (gasps) Wow. Real life haunting. Real life haunting, Mikey. We're used to hauntings here in the scary basement. It's it's almost old hat. We're kind of sick of all the ghosts that are around here. But to see a ghost out in the real world, I don't know. Spooked me so, in my bones. So that, that child is a psychic that needs to be uh, monetized immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately turned it into a business? <laughs> yeah. Become a spiritual medium. <laughs> You're like a, a, a stage mom, but for ghosts. <laughs> Honey, you need but- to go out there and communicate with that woman's husband. She has unfulfilled desires. And you need to communicate. You know what, Mikey? I bet what really happened is that kid somehow heard about how there was a girl who died there and decided to make up a story and freak out your your friend, his mom. Uh, Okay, okay, (laughs) Roxy Downer. Uh, Great. Or, I mean, it's a real ghost and she can monetize the hell out of that and he'll be the next big spiritual medium that people talk about for centuries. No, you're right. The world is... Sad and gray. Roxy, what was the scariest <laughs> thing that happened to you? Wait, which this one week? is more scary if there is ghosts or if there isn't ghosts? <laughs> I on I am somebody who believes that the world is made better by the fact that there are ghosts, that there are werewolves, that there are cryptids, that there are Michael Myerses. I want those stuff to be real. We haven't talked about this on the show. This is like a big philosophy of mine. I want all that stuff to be real because If anything can happen, if there really is a Bigfoot and a vampire running around out there, then anything can truly happen. And therefore, what do I have to worry about when I ask this girl out on a date? What do I have to worry about when I ask my boss for a raise that I think I deserve? It's like, I don't know. He's probably going to say no. It's like, is it more likely that he'll say no? Or is it more likely that there's a sea beast in the lakes of the lock? So you're just thinking about it in terms of mundane things instead of like, Oh, maybe I could meet Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster then. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the terms of possibility. Okay. <laughs> if, if a Bigfoot is possible, it's definitely possible my boss will give me that raise. I think I, similarly, I wish those things were real, but I do not think they were are real. But I would love to be proven wrong. That's my thing. I want to be proven wrong and I, w- I want them to actually be real. But, and you have uh, been here in the scary basement every week. I, we I mean, I guess that's true. Guess all the dripping true. monsters and nail-ridden corpses. Okay, well then I've been proved completely wrong. So hell yeah, we did it. What's what was scary to you this week, Roxy? The thing that uh, scared me this week was a awkward encounter with uh, new neighbors that were moving in. I, I want you to imagine a couple that would be on the cover of a magazine, sitting on a picnic blanket with their dog. And like shades in summer weather, just looking like they're posing. Oh, like an ordinary people magazine. Yeah, yes. <laughs> looking like they're posing for a photo shoot. And then I go outside to check my mail, looking like a fucking gremlin in my pajamas. And it's the first time I've ever seen them because they're moving in. And mm-hmm. uh, the mail didn't show up yet. So I have to check back two other times before it actually shows up. And each time just awkwardly wave and be like, oh, hi. Hi, yeah, I don't want to make eye contact with you. I look like a fucking ghoul right now. Please don't make this be my first impression and second and third impression of me. Now, Roxy, do you think that situation would have been helped or hurt if each time you had a new riddle for them? (laughs) I mean, I think it would have made them remember me more and remember what I look like more. But then also maybe they'd be focusing on the riddle. So (laughs) I don't know. That's a good question. 
I always have a riddle ready for when I make a new friend. Do you really? Yeah. Okay, I'm learning new things about you every single yeah. time we do the podcast, Roxy, Mikey. What's black and white and red all over? Uh, could it be a newspaper, Mikey? No. What is it then? It's a bloody newspaper. <laughs> I never got that riddle when the answer is just newspaper because it's like, where is it red? I thought you were going to say a bloody zebra at first, which uh, the bloody newspaper is a much better alternative. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think. Wait. Demon Bob's here. Mikey and Roxy, did you remember to watch the 2011 film Attack the Block, written and directed by Joe Cornish and starring John Boyega and Jodie Whittaker, or are your souls forfeit? Uh, I watched it, Mikey, did you? I did watch it, yeah, we're okay. Okay, good. Phew! Then you may keep your souls. Roxy, fist bump. We Hell yeah. <laughs> For now. Uh, again, you got, got me again, Mikey, you got, got both of us again. You got it. <laughs> Did you arrogant mortals assume I should trust the word of a pair of organics? You must prove that you have watched the film by giving a recap of the plot. All right, let's do it. Let's prove that we watch we watch Attack the Block, Mikey. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So it is Guy Fox night. Nurse Samantha is mugged by a gang of street teens. Their names are Pest, Dennis, Jerome, Biggs with a Z, and their leader, Moses. Suddenly, during this mugging, a meteorite crashes into a nearby car and Samantha is able to escape. And Moses, who is the teen gang leader, searches the wrecked car, when out of nowhere his face is scratched by an alien creature that was in the meteorite. The creature runs, the gang chases it, and they kill it. Thinking the alien corpse would be worth a lot of money, the gang takes it to a weed dealer named Ron and his boss, Hi-Hats. Ron and Hi-Hats agree to keep the corpse with them. And Hi-Hats makes Moses his newest drug runner. Uh, up in the sky, more meteorites are falling to Earth, and the gang psych themselves up to go fight even more aliens since the last time was so fun, I guess. <laughs> However, the aliens they find this time are different. They're larger, a lot bigger, with huge glowing teeth and claws. When the gang sees them, they run away immediately and into two policemen who have been guiding Samantha to identify who her mug muggers are. And she points out Moses, and he is arrested. The aliens follow Moses and the crew and kill the arresting officers. Samantha and Moses are trapped in the police van, but Dennis runs in and saves them. They drive away from the aliens and crash right into, wouldn't you know it, Hi-Hats' car. Samantha runs away and Moses and the gang confront Hi-Hats and his henchmen. But suddenly they're attacked by the pursuing aliens and Biggs has to hide in a trash can and Pest is bitten in the leg. They make it to Samantha's place where she bandages Pest's leg. And an alien smashes through Samantha's door and Moses kills it with a samurai sword, very impressively. So now Samantha realizes that not only were the kids telling the truth about the aliens, but the threat is absolutely terrifying. So she decides to go with them. They decide to go to Tia's place and she has a security gate that will keep them all safe. Unfortunately, the alien attacks from outside and enter through the windows. Dennis is decapitated in this fight. The girls think the boys brought the aliens with them, so they of course kick them out of the apartment. Hi-Hats and his henchmen then attack the gang, only to be chased by an alien. Hi-Hats and his henchmen run into an elevator, and when that elevator reaches its destination, the sole survivor is our boy Hi-Hats. The gang uses fireworks as a distraction to escape. Jerome is sadly lost in the smoke and killed by an alien. Eventually, they arrive at Ron's weed apartment, since they have nowhere else to go, but sadly, Hi-Hats is waiting for them. He thinks that crashing the police van into his car is reason enough to kill Moses during this alien invasion where a lot more important things are happening. However, Hi-Hats is so absorbed in his revenge that he doesn't notice the alien behind him. That kills him before he can kill anybody else. Uh, the remaining members of the gang, along with Samantha and Bruis, who is one of Ron's customers, who is also a zoology student, retreat into the weed room with the alien corpse. Always good to have a zoology student around with you. In the weed room, Bruis notices a bioluminescent mark on Moses' jacket under the ultraviolet light. Bruis wonders if the aliens are like spores that drift through space until they find a new home planet. Moses and his gang killed the female, and its pheromones were now stuck to Moses, which attracted the males in the first place. With this info, the gang can now formulate a plan. Samantha is free of the alien pheromones, so she can sneak past the aliens and turn on the gas in Moses' apartment. And there 
they can have the final battle. Samantha is able to do her part of the plan, leaving the final part to Moses. Moses straps the corpse of the small female alien to his back and runs into the gas-filled apartment with all the aliens following after him. He throws the corpse into the apartment, and all of the other aliens take the bait, and he uses the last of his fireworks to blow them all up while he narrowly escapes out a window. After the cops show up and the threat is gone, Moses, Pest, Bruis, and Ron are arrested and held responsible for the deaths and damage to the block. The cops ask Samantha to identify Moses and his gang so they can arrest them and pin all of the blame on him, but Samantha says no. They're my neighbors. They protected me. Moses and Pest hear the residents of the block cheering for Moses and his brave actions, and that is the end of the movie. Woo! Phew! That was Attack the Block, Mikey. Good. You have watched the film. Now you must prove your understanding and discuss its themes. Attack the Block. So just to uh, reiterate some of the, the terminology used in this movie, the block is this big apartment building, yes. right, that they all yeah, live yeah. in. And so when Samantha is mugged at the beginning of the film, she doesn't realize that the guys mugging her, the kids, live in the same apartment building as her. Yeah, they're her So neighbors. they're all neighbors. And they don't realize it either. <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah. And even at one point later, they say, like, oh, if we knew you were... In the block, if we knew you were our neighbor, we wouldn't have mugged you. She's like, well, what, that would have been okay to just mug any other person then, too? Hey, here's the idea. How about you just don't mug? Yeah. How about maybe just don't? Nobody's running around mugging. Maybe just don't mug. Maybe just don't do that. So this movie is very funny. Yes. Yeah. It's very funny, and it is scary. Like, I think that the, the monsters that they show are, like, a cool visual thing more so than they are like a scary thing they're kind of just like rabid beasts but they look so cool they're like pure black silhouettes come to life and their teeth are all that comes out it looks like a comic book drawing that somehow has a form and depth to it yeah they purposefully used cg to kind of mask them to make them just look like essentially a black hole like there is no reflection mm-hmm. on their surface or anything you can kind of get that they're furry or like fuzzy but it's like negative space they wanted them to be unearthly in this very subtle way that i think is such a cool choice especially when their teeth and claws are glowing like blue so it makes them stand out even more it's a very cool idea it's something that always kind of bugs me about aliens in movies and tv just kind of in general the idea that they're always Something we can sort of understand. They're like reptilian or they're like green and slimy, but they still have like skin and arms and everything. Like, I've always heard it said that like the Native Americans didn't recognize Columbus's ships when they were first sailing onto the shores of what is now America. Like they just looked out and saw the horizon because these ships were so foreign to them and they couldn't understand that their brains just literally didn't comprehend what was going on. And I feel like that's what aliens are going to be. They're going to be so different from us that we're not going to be able to even fit them into, like, they're not going to be humanoid. They're not going mm. to even, like, probably make sounds out of their mouth like we do. They're going to be negative space, and our brains won't be able to comprehend it. And I think that's something, like, very cool that this movie pulls off, that, like, the aliens truly feel alien in a way that not a lot of movies pull off in a way that satisfies me, Mikey McCaller. <laughs> Well, and that's pretty impressive. They were able to satisfy you in this regard, Mikey. Yeah, so. very few people do. Yeah, I'm sure that's the director's pride and joy. <laughs> <laughs> there is a very funny moment in uh, in this movie where right after Samantha's robbed in one of the very first scenes, she's kind of standing around and, and you know, chilly and crying. And she's approached by this old woman who's just like, oh, come on, dear, I'll take you home. And I just thought it would be funny if that woman robbed her, too. <laughs> she just kept getting robbed all movie. <laughs> It's just her her character trait, continuously <laughs> robbed woman. What is it about me that makes people think I'm so robbable? <laughs> Could it be like the Louis Vuitton jacket I'm wearing? That, yeah, it didn't help that know, she was wearing a everything. gold chain with dollar signs on it and a tag that said this necklace is worth money. <laughs> you know, somebody should have told her maybe to be a little less... <laughs> uh, you know, flaunty with the with her money, but <laughs> dial it back. I think we should talk a little bit about the cast of this movie. It's like the two leads, Samantha, who is robbed, and Moses, who plays the leader of the the gang. It's freaking Doctor Who and uh, Star Wars. Yeah, uh, yes, it's yeah, the stars Finn. of those two things. <laughs> Finn, also known as Star Wars, yes. <laughs> yeah, that guy. He plays the character Star Wars. 
Finn Star Wars. It's baby and, John and, Boyega. And so John Boyega around 17 or 18 when he's filming this role, playing a 15 year old, part of his character is that he looks older. Uh, he's really good. Yeah, he's perfect. His his performance is my favorite one in this. He does a really good job, like setting himself up. You can tell like why he got scouted to be mm-hmm. Finn to do other leading roles. Yeah, I would have made him. I would have had him play Star Wars too. He's a character who like keeps making mistakes and feels like he's making everything worse for everybody, and is trying so hard. But I mean, it, the movie opens with him just like brutally kicking the shit out of a admittedly not cute alien but like yeah his and reaction is to scratch him first i guess <laughs> that's true that was something that bothered me this entire movie john boyega gets slashed in the face in like one of the first scenes and he's got this like deep wound on his face the entire movie and nobody's like should we tend that like you're gonna have a straight up scar on your face dude yeah, also, like, what sort of alien parasites just crawled into your face from that I'm more scratch. worried about his attractive face, because he's a good-looking man. <laughs> the scar I will have make a... him look more rugged, Mikey. Roxy, do you have any scars? I do, and it's a really stupid scar. <laughs> uh. <laughs> did you? Did your school slice you when you get something wrong in the spelling bee? <laughs> what is a I stupid mean, that, scar? That would be very uh, threatening, I'd say. I was... Maybe around seven years old, I think. I was on this slide that was shaped like a blue whale, maybe five foot tall. It was at a water park. I slipped, hit the underside of my chin. It bled a lot. <laughs> Didn't really hurt that much. Like, I remember all the adults around me freaking out because of all the blood. Because it's mm. like a head wound. Head wounds bleed a lot more than, like, how, how bad mm. they kind of tend to be. I- I, um, I watch pro wrestling, so I do know that. Okay, yes, of course. <laughs> um, so it was just, I have this dumb scar on the underside of my chin that nobody can see, luckily, mm. unless you're really looking for it. I guess everybody knows now, my greatest, darkest secret. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to peer at it next time I see you. Uh, I have one scar above my right eyebrow. From, yeah, that's kind uh, of a cool place to have a scar. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Uh, it <laughs> was at the end, oh, it was, must have been right before Attack the Block came out. Uh, it was the end of 2010, oh. which was the worst year of my life. Oh, no. What? I was working for minimum wage at a dog bakery. I didn't have a car. I was pretty new to Los Angeles. I was just scared and poor and constantly shivering for whatever reason. No. And so New Year's <laughs> Eve, I go to this party. I get very drunk. Uh, one of my best friends is there. And my memory of it is, like, I can see myself, like, talking up this gal and then I fall forward, and I'm going to catch myself on my hands, like, as I'm coming. It's like, I can see this in first-person view. Like, Wait, uh, is she, like, in front of you when you're talking to her? Where's the yes. girl? Okay, so well, you're, like, falling at her. I, I didn't fall on her. She, like, I mean, maybe she got out of the way. But I don't remember just, where yeah, she went. did she just, step out of the way and let you fall? <laughs> and I fell, and I, at the last second, when my hands hit the ground, I whipped them behind me into, like, a soaring eagle pose <laughs> and took the ground Full force with my right eyebrow. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it's a drunken it thought over. that you had, I guess, that thought uh-huh. this was the way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't last much longer with consciousness. I wake up at this friend's house. I have a big Band-Aid over my head. Uh, ruined his new year. And then when it came time, like, I was talking, his mom had some, like, medical training. And she was, like, kind of walking me through the steps to avoid Wait, getting a scar. his mom was there? No, we called her. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still, though. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? I kind of want a scar there. I want the last day of 2010 to have left a scar. I want to physically carry a scar from this horrible year of my horrible life and just, like, <laughs> have this memento of it forever. And I thought that was very cool. And I still think it's cool. And I'm glad I did it. And I still have it. Wait, so then when you, you look at it, it'll be a memento of what not to do or something? Of just like, hey, you lived through this. You physically have a scar of a year that scarred you. And if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything. Okay. And I, I look at it at the gym all the time, and then I finish my push-ups. See, look at you. You've got like a fucking backstory that's like cool and thematic behind your scar, and I just slipped and <laughs> busted my chin. <laughs> it happens. Sometimes uh, it just is like that. Roxy, what would you say is the big idea of this movie? Oh, man. I mean, there's some very overt things they're dealing with, obviously, with, like, classism and kind of, like, prejudice between people in lower incomes and what you kind of, like, expect from certain kids, mm-hmm. like, lower income kids, which, you know, there, there's that going on. 
and then just sort of expectations. So people expect these kids to be no good or just like doing damage. And they're actually like heroes in the movie who are trying to actually do something about it when everyone else is locking their doors or not really, you know, comprehending the situation or thinking about mm-hmm. how they can do anything about it. Yeah, it really does feel to me like a movie that is about like us versus them and keeps shifting who the us is and who the them is. Yeah, because we do see, like, we start off from Samantha's perspective, Mm -hmm. who is the person getting mugged, and you think that she's our main character, and then it swaps to the perspective of the kids who mugged her, then they're your main character, and then it's more like, Mm -hmm. oh, we've got these two split perspectives where we're kind of seeing how each of them approach these situations. Especially, like, with that part, which we talked about a little bit earlier, where they say, oh, if we knew that you were our neighbor, we wouldn't have mugged you. And she's like, you just shouldn't be mugging in the first place. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And it kind of shows how they've been sort of conditioned to kind of expect the world to be a certain way and think they have to kind of maneuver within this very small space, I guess. There's a really nice moment that I think adds to that. Like, There's the moment where they said, like, if we knew you lived in the block, we wouldn't have mugged you. And Samantha's like, well, you shouldn't mug anybody in general. And they also later ask, the kids ask Samantha if she has a boyfriend. And she says, yes, he's out in another nation helping children or something. And they say, like, why can't he help the children in Britain? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, good point. And she literally doesn't have an answer for that. She's just like, um. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's this question of, like, who do we consider part of our team? Who Mm -hmm. do we, like, they have defined their team as the block. And so when they attack... Samantha, they have violated their own code on accident. But the whole point is that, like, our codes are gibberish. We're all on the same page. We all want the same things. And uh, in the very first scene, that old lady who I wish had robbed Samantha. <laughs> it might be recut of the film. <laughs> she's just constantly, she's getting robbed by the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> they got a little knife. <laughs> uh, the old lady says about the kids who mugged her, they're just like, she says, they're fucking monsters. Mm. And Samantha's like, yeah, they sure are. And to see Samantha go from that arc of they're fucking monsters to they're my neighbors. Like, I yeah. think that movie is like, they're all our neighbors. I wonder if it goes so far as to say that, like, we're not that different from the monsters because they just want to bang. And what do we want to do? <laughs> the answer is bang. Well, it's also the idea of having a universal threat for them all to rally around. Like, Mm -hmm. universal, definitely non-human threat to make all the humans kind of go, like, what the fuck were we arguing about in the first place? Like, that's not important. We need to actually, like, just think about protecting each other, because that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could use this movie as a lesson. I don't think this (laughs) movie... (laughs) This movie wasn't as preachy as I'm making it out to be, but as we're talking about it, I'm like, was this movie preaching at me? Just like, hey... We're all each other's neighbors here in, the, in this on this big blue marble. I kind of want to shove Joe Cornish. <laughs> shove him He's where? Like, we get it. All right, people. We're all good. Shove him into the River Thames. I, get, I guess we do need to learn that constantly over and over. We are kind of a destructive species. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's something that's always on my mind, which maybe is why I went to that. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I think he's definitely trying to say something, but also trying to have fun with it. Like you said, there's comedy in it. There's a lot of action. There are, like, scares. The monsters are very threatening. They're very scary. Uh, There's parts, like, where their one friend gets lost in the smoke after they throw out the fireworks and just gets kind of, like, killed off screen, which is really sad because you've been, like, with him the whole time. Right. And some of his friends didn't even, like, realize he was gone until later. Uh, I hope I don't die off screen. I hope you don't either, Mikey, and I, I hope, I hope you're that there for to... everybody listening, and me too. Uh, I hope you're there to witness my death, and I hope <laughs> you go forth to tell the tale. Mikey, I, I want die. you to live forever, so I never have to do that. The odds I mean... of that happening when we keep coming into this scary basement that is full of pinheads is very I low. I mean, but the teamwork, Mikey, teamwork. We work together so we don't die in the scary basement. Right. But all that is to say, when I do finally falter, I hope you will. Okay. I, I, <laughs> write, a bo- write a book about me. <laughs> I will tell the tales of your sacrifice in your life. <laughs> you never really die off screen if somebody writes a book about you. It's true. That's the more true. you know. Then what if I sell it as a book, then sell a screenplay, then I get a ton of money. And then just you, you get to be a movie, Mikey. Oh, don't do that. I would be jealous of that. 
The book I don't give a shit about, but if you sold a screenplay before I did because I was dead, I would be infuriated. You'd come from beyond the grave to haunt me. Hey, that's how I know ghosts were real. So I'd have to antagonize your ghost so then you haunt me. So then I'm going to write a screen. I'm going to write a screenplay, Mikey. (laughs) That's very sweet of you, Roxy. (laughs) And together we can prove ghosts are real. I would love it. I think another thing this movie kind of touches on is that actions have consequences. So like killing the alien at the beginning brings everything down on their on their block, essentially, even though they don't really realize that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So I think especially with the way Moses kind of gets blame pinned on him, even when they go to like the girl's apartment, they don't know for sure what is going on. They don't know that Moses has the pheromones that's drive driving all the monsters to come with them. They're just kind of used to thinking that a bad thing happened. It's Moses's fault. Hmm. Uh, so they just sort of go to their go-to is to blame him. And he yeah. feels that he feels that responsibility um, because maybe it's because he's the center of these kids here. So, you know, when something does go wrong, it might be perceived as his fault, but it's just because he's kind of in the leading role with these guys. Yeah, that um, is kind of a nice thing that this movie is doing where Moses is bringing them around, but he doesn't know it. And it's, I mean, it is within his control, but it's also not like, I, I don't know if his reaction to an alien slashing his face is necessarily that out of line to beat the shit out of it. Uh, the fact that he gets coded in the pheromone and is bringing them along, it almost mirrors the way that you get brought up in a culture and and like of course you're that economically disadvantaged you start lashing out at people and mugging people because you have to survive uh yes you're doing bad things but it's also kind of not your fault and sort of just a situation you find yourself in yeah and poor moses has internalized that and taken that in and and sees it as a reflection of himself as opposed to a a circumstance he ended up in and i think his arc where he gets to at the end like be celebrated is really nice because he deserves to celebrate himself and that's kind of the 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 twist ending of this that he's only 15 and he lives alone it's like he has a lot to be proud of that he was able to survive in that context like he should be proud of himself and now other people are seeing something about him that maybe he didn't see and needed somebody else to mirror for him this idea that you should be proud of yourself and just staying alive was a, an accomplishment for him. It's really sweet. Yeah, he's defying his own preset expectations about how he thought he was no good, which I think is great. And especially, yeah, like you said, with everybody rallying around. And that's why Samantha's character change as well, like feeds into that as mm-hmm. well, because then she's supporting him at that point. Exactly. Hmm. And uh, building him up that way, too. Yeah, Very this movie cool. needs more hugs. It does. It does. <laughs> not from the monsters, though. They can, uh, yeah, they should not pointy. hug anyone. <laughs> so, uh, Mikey, do you have a question for me today? Boy, do I. Okay, we were talking about blocks, right? You have this giant apartment building. It's huge. Uh-huh. It's full. Roxy, what's your perfect block? Who are your neighbors? How big are the rooms? What's in oh, the attic? Goodness. What is in your perfect block? Ooh. Man, I feel like if I really sat down and thought about this, it would be probably, like, way too extensive and detailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's see, a short kind of, like, gut reaction version of this would be sort of like an art commune where nobody has to pay rent and <laughs> meals are just kind of like there's a cafeteria thing where everybody can kind of hang out, eat food together. Everybody's got their own space, some communal working areas. I like the situation where they have it in a square and then there's like a cool like park area in the middle. So everybody, even if they're looking out from their windows, they've got like kind of a cool park area. Mm -hmm. Gotta have a pool roof. Pool on the roof. A roof pool is so much cooler than a backyard pool. Yeah, right? I mean, you can just look up at the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Lay on your back and it's like there's nothing there even though you're in the middle of the city. How cool is a roof pool? Uh, and what about a giant projector up on the roof as well so you can have movie nights, dark nights? That'd be super cool. Sweet. Hell yeah. That sounds tight. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What would be your ideal block? I've always thought it would be cool to have a room in an apartment building that you could let a Disneyland ride designer just kind of use as a sketch pad. Ooh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> 
He would just kind of go in and he'd be like, I'm thinking about this kind of ride at Disneyland. So what if there was just like a, a roller coaster that instead of doing a dip, did like a, a sharp up and then a slow down. Like, and then you would just build a little roller coaster in there and you and your friends could try it out. And then he would like leave. It would have to be an empty apartment building. So he could okay. just go and use all the different rooms. So then he would just leave it there. So you'd have your own little apartment building. It'd be like one room that's just full of balls, like a ball pit. And you just open that door and fall in. Do people live there also, or it's just like an amusement park ride? There are four apartments. Okay. You live in one? <laughs> oh, me. Okay, yes, I do. I thought you meant like subjective you, like you, Mikey. Oh. Okay, I get to live here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I Rad. live in one. You live in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto lives in one. <laughs> okay, cool. Yes, roommates. <laughs> and uh, this bodybuilder I have heard of named Michael Hearn. <laughs> There's two. There's Mike, Michael, and Mikey. No, no, uh, Mike O'Hearn. Mike O'Hearn. Okay. Yeah, we know about him because my friend Michael Hearn is on the other podcast I do, and uh, we found him online. But I just want somebody strong there who can kind of like be the muscle, who can like keep keep out the evil monsters that I assume will still be following us from this scary basement. <laughs> I need a little protection. You've just described a sitcom, Mikey. That. Uh... Mm-hmm. I wish we were living right now. Oh, and Shigeru Miyamoto is the one who's making all the things. He's the one who is uh, designing these little rides and fun attractions that we're hanging out on and going. Hell yeah. Can he introduce me to Mario? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, he and Mario are in love. <laughs> he created Don't Mario. Peach. Don't tell Peach. He created Mario to date him. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Weird. Roxy. <laughs> Mikey, how likely On a scale. Is... Yeah, you go. Roxy, on a scale of one to nine, because ten does not exist in the scary basement, how likely is what happened in Attack the Block to happen in real life? Um, In real life, I'd say if aliens are real, alien invasion, 50%, sure. And 50%, they can be weird carnivorous horny aliens that just want to take over everything after sailing on solar wind so i'm gonna say a five five okay so trending a little more likely yes more likely than less likely what do you say mikey i'm gonna say one a one really okay because in this movie samantha changes her mind about people and nobody changes their mind about anything oh i see (laughs) people don't change (laughs) mikey no take that back we're unfortunately uh, set in our ways. We are stubborn, diseased assholes, and uh, we make an assumption, and then to change our mind would be to assume that we are wrong, and human beings are incapable of that, so I'm saying what? Mikey, you gotta have hope. I, I can don't. be wrong. You can be wrong. Except that you can be wrong right now. I won't do it. God damn it. <laughs> it is time to collect your souls. I mean, it is time to collect your bets. Well, okay, Mikey, we made a bet last week. Do you remember? Boy, do I. That we made a bet. Uh-huh. The bet was, how many people do weed and attack the block? <laughs> it is so cute when you call it do weed. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say it then? How how would you say it, Mikey? Cool guy does weed How many weed characters all the time? puff on a doobie? That's what <laughs> I would say. Yeah, that's much more cool and uh, natural sounding <laughs> than what I just yeah, said. Yeah, neither of us have ever done drugs in our lives. Yeah, Fucking- 420, man. Fucking squares over here. How many people uh, m- or meet with Snoop Dogg? Can you say that? <laughs> he seems cool. <laughs> he seems like a cool guy. Uh, I said there would be 10 on screen drug uses. Roxy, you said five. I counted. Yes, you counted. What I was counted. your count? The actual answer is nine. Nine. Okay. Yes. You you were correct. So. Well, okay. Here's a question, though. Uh-huh. Did we say how many characters do drugs on screen or how many total drug uses were there on screen? Okay. Th- that's right. Okay. So there was, let's see. I think there were six characters, but nine instances. Yeah. So if they're, I mean, listen, I have it written down that we wrote how many characters do drugs on screen. There are six characters. You said five. You win the bet. Uh, okay. We're each you like did one it. away, though. I did it. I beat you this week. Yeah. Way to go. (laughs) Yeah. A way to go me. Way to freaking go. What? You gonna try and guilt me into it? I'm elated that I won this week. (laughs) Why did I say that like my aunt in Minnesota? (laughs) Way to go, honey. (laughs) 
Uh, you're working uh, on your impression? I no, not of her. <laughs> well, apparently you are. <laughs> Okay, so next up we got a new segment, which mm. is Phobia Power Rankings. So there is a place that will give you random phobias to generate, mm -hmm. and then we can rank them. Okay, so let's make our power rankings, okay. one through five, and be ready to defend it. Okay. <laughs> is five the, the most scary, or is one the most scary? One is the most scary, okay. and we'll go backwards. All right, I got my list. I've got my list, and what a list it is. Uh, real quick, let's go through the phobias. The the five we were picking from, the five we were ranking. Tapphophobia, the fear of being in the grave while alive. Apophobia, the fear of bees. Aquaphobia, fear of the late 90s band Aqua, who did I'm a Barbie Girl in a Barbie World. Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Please say you, you said that just disheartened. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 keep it serious. No, it's no, a fear of water. <laughs> Aviatophobia, which is the fear of flying, and pyrophobia, which is the fear of fire. Roxy, what'd you have at number five? So number five, least scary was fear of bees. Fear of bees, really? Yeah, I think fear of bees is least scary because you don't really encounter them very often and also... In, in reality, bees are friends. They're just trying to do their bee thing. You've never seen my girl? They're not very dangerous unless you have, like, an allergy. And when they sting you, they die. So, like, they're not trying to sting you. They don't want to sting you. If they do it... That is a great point. <laughs> I totally forgot that that kid had a bee allergy. I was like, oh, no, but bees can kill you. I was like, maybe they can't. Yeah, only if you have a bee allergy or bee scary, which I do not. So they are not scary to me. Hmm. What about you? I put I put at number five, aviationophobia, fear of flying. Really? Okay. If you're flying, you're probably you're probably safe. You're buckled up in an airplane. Statistically, but like having to deal with that fear when you are trapped in an airplane. Yeah, it's never hit. I me. guess is how I thought of it. Mm -mm. I think it's I think it's fine. Especially <laughs> it's fine if you be... have to like travel while while using it. I guess are we are we talking about how how scary we think these are for us personally, or just like in the broader context? Then that's that's a great point. I think probably how how much they scare us personally. Okay. Because I'm just, like, not afraid of flying. I think I'm safe forever. Okay. Gotcha. It would be very funny right now to smash cut to <laughs> my grave. <laughs> Mikey died in a plane crash. And, and for whatever reason, they carved that in my gravestone. <laughs> to make sure nobody crash. would forget. <laughs> Take it lightly. What'd you have at number four? Number four, I had fear of fire. Really? I don't feel like it's that scary because you don't have to encounter it, really. Like, unless you're cooking on a stove, but you could have an electric stove if you're afraid of fire. So I feel like you could get around that very easily. Oh. Human Modern day humans don't have to interact with fire that much, so... That's why it's so scary. I feel like if you had that fear, it wouldn't be that bad to deal with. But, yeah. It's, it's out to get you, <laughs> the fire. I think I, I put mine in terms of, like, threat level, a lot of this. Mm. <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I feel like that's still the same. And like how um, much you have uh, to deal four, with it on put, a daily basis, though, I guess, as well. Yeah, if you're a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be afraid of fire. You shouldn't have this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I said at number four, aquaphobia. Okay. Because the water's fine. You just swim up. But what if you have to drink it every day and you're terrified of it? I also did literally just say in my what is the place I don't want to be in was a water place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was another thing where I was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> oh, I've been bought off for my power rankings. Uh, <laughs> big water has gotten my pockets. Getting that sponsor money. What did you put at number three? Uh, so number three, I had fear of flying. Fear of flying. Because I feel like humans travel through planes so often now that if you ever wanted to like go anywhere you would have to deal with that which being trapped up in the air when you're terrified of being trapped up in the air sounds like a bad time well um, i'll tell you my number three and i'll tell you i think my number three should be my number five under your criteria uh, my number three was tapophobia fear of being in the grave while alive really okay because you're never gonna be in the grave when you're alive yeah graves are for living but I feel like that's one of those existential fears that you are always going to be afraid of that you can't really. <laughs> Here's my thing with being alive in the grave. Okay. I feel like I could get out. Okay. I feel like I read one article one time. And even as we're sitting here right now, I am not able to remember any specifics. <laughs> cool. Sounds like it was a great informative article. Oh, you've got you've to take your shirt off and put your shirt over your head. 
And that does what? I think that like keeps you from when all the dirt comes in, like it doesn't. You can like also probably get part of an air pocket too. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I should reread that article. But yeah, I feel like I'd be fine. I feel like I'd figure it out. I feel like the fear of death, no matter what, I, who isn't afraid of dying? <laughs> Fucking this guy. <laughs> I guess so. You can tell because I'm so into extreme sports. It's true. Like you were like the girls in the descent. We all know this. I go climbing in places and lie to the park rangers about where I am. <laughs> so what was uh, your number two? My number two was apophobia, fear of bees. I'm so okay. afraid of bees. Really? They're just, they're just a monster. They're just designed to hurt us. They're not. Wasp, wasps are. Bees are fine. Bees also sting. They're big and bumbly. They don't want to sting you, though. They only do it if they feel threatened. Roxy, what if they got in your eyes? I mean, I have glasses, so they would probably be less likely to get into my eyes, but. <laughs> you have just, you are not afraid of bees whatsoever. <laughs> I'm not. They're just, they're, they're friendly little critters who are just doing, staying in their own lane, making honey that we harvest and keeping plants from living. Bees help our ecosystem. I guess I'm a big stand for bees, turns out. Did you play The Last of Us 2? I have not. Okay. Is that, do all the bees disappear in that game? No, no, there's nothing to do with bees. There is a character that was a bit of a prophet. Oh, okay. For that, that, like, they tend to worship after the world ends because of whatever she was saying beforehand. And I was just thinking you would probably be that person if the bees ever take over. You will become (laughs) (laughs) our Madonna. We will will look unto you with such respect. (laughs) That's me, the bees What was your number two? My number two was five, fear of water. For two reasons, because of my fear of the ocean, I just said. And then also, if you were afraid of water, but you need water to live, that's just like a daily terror show for you. Right. If you're afraid of that, I can't it's even It's like imagine. if you're afraid of Chucky, but you live with a Chucky. And like you wouldn't want to take a shower, which is gross. That sucks. Showers mm-hmm. are very relaxing. Oh, I, I never thought about how this would harm your social life. Yeah. And also just, you shouldn't be dirty. It's going to make you sick. <laughs> among other things so that is a pretty bad fear now that i'm thinking about it yeah what was your number one my number one was uh fear in the grave while, while being alive just because i feel like how do you rationalize or get over that i feel like you're always going to be afraid of dying i feel like any of these other things you could make peace with them but i feel like you can't make peace with death the same way i i just feel like kill bill did such a disservice there's that scene where she like has her rigid fingers and then yeah, like she just does a little punch smashes her way I'm out just like, yeah I'll, I'll do that all right nah. Uh, that way it's probably much scarier my number one was pyrophobia because i don't want to be on fire you don't want to be in fire valid i also do not want to be on fire so it's my number one i would hate listen i hate being hot just like in my room like over the summers i'm just like oh sweating like a dog over here this is the worst feeling like to die that way is the worst thing i can imagine how do you live in la with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hate being hot. I'll live in LA. <laughs> it's just right now that, listen, September, October, November, the greatest months of the year. All downhill. And then every there. other month of the year is a Very burning, hot. boiling nightmare. Mm-hmm. A true nightmare. Well, okay, so your top five, run through them again real quick. So least scary is bees, because bees are friends. Then fear of fire, because I don't think you interact with it much. Then fear of flying, which, again, don't interact with it much, but interact with it more than fire. Then five, fear of water. And one, fear of being in the grave while being alive. Should I be saying the names, the trip, Traptophobia? Yeah. I, yes. I, my, my first listing, I wrote down the names and was like, I'm not going to remember these. Yeah. Um, mine were number five, <laughs> flying. Who cares? We're safe. Number four, water. Who cares? Swim up. Number three, grave. Who cares? Point your fingers up and make a fist. Punch your way through. Number two, bees. <laughs> They're whole point is hurting me they're not they their have whole a point is sword? making honey they make they honey have a sword and pollinate flowers in their bottoms that will kill them if they use it so they it's always a last resort they try not to hurt you as well they're kamikaze pilots <laughs> and i'm scared of them every second and my number one was fire gotcha. pyrophobia because i mean god you get lit on fire you're having a rough day <laughs> I'm interested to see how other people rank this, whether it's in comments or messaging us personally on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, and let us know who you think, whose whose list do you think was closest? That's what I want to know. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Rank it. What do you think? Wow, great game, Roxy. Hell yeah. Oh god, it's him. It's Demon Bot. Oh, Demon Bot's here. Shut up. 
Should I hide behind this box? Yeah, it couldn't hurt. Okay. Tell me when he's gone. Congratulations, you have managed to retain your souls for another week. Next week, you must watch the 1979 film Alien, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, and Ian Holm. If you do not, your souls will be forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. So, Roxy, we got our work cut out for us. Oh, man. Okay, gotta I'll watch that 19... box. <laughs> yeah, get out from behind the box. Okay, fine. Especially because the box is full of larva. Oh, I was focused on demon bots, so I didn't see that. Now you wrecked it, because now I saw it, and I hate it. Yeah, you anyway, got, listen, Roxy, what? I keep telling you, you got to assume, everything in the scary basement is, in fact, scary. Every time. No choice. But I like some scary things, like bats are cute. They're not scary. That's why there are no bats in here. God damn it. That makes a lot they're of all, sense. They're all man bats. <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of man bats. <laughs> from Bat, from Batman. <laughs> so we got to watch Alien next Yes, week. I'm actually really excited about this. I love it's Alien. A, uh, it sounds like a great it's movie. So I haven't seen it. It's so uh, good. What, what do you say we make a bet? Okay, let's make a bet. You got, so here's the thing. You got a bet? I know that there are a ton of Alien pieces of... Uh, product out there. There's a ton of alien movies. There's a ton of alien comic books. There's a ton of alien video games, especially. Yeah, yeah. Roxy, how many total pieces of alien media between movies, TV shows, and video games are there out there? And comic books. Um, I am going to guess an even 40. 40, 40. is my guess. 40. 40. 39, then 40. Yes. I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to say 30. 30. Okay. But the bet is locked in. 10 in between. The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the number of tie-in media products for the Alien franchise shall be declared the winner. The loser shall have to correctly spell the word tether 100 times and mail the list to the developers of the Aliens Colonial Marines video game. All right, well, Mikey, we talked about a lot of things today, but one of those things we didn't talk about was what was making us happy this week. Mm-hmm. So Mikey, what, what made you happy this week? Well, this week, outside of the scary basement, I stumbled on a show that I truly love. Roxy, are you watching Vanderpump Rules? Um, I don't even know what that is. You gonna Roxy, tell me? it's the best show anyone ever made. Uh-oh. It is a show Uh-oh. about... The hot, sexy, young Los Angeles uh, between early 20s to mid 30s people working at a restaurant called Sir and Roxy. Sir? They're friends, but they lie to each other. They cheat on each other. They date each other's exes. They date each other's current boyfriends and girlfriends. It is so funny. And it's led by two characters, Jax and Stassi, who are the most Wait, fascinating what? human beings I've ever what seen in my life. What are these names? Jax and Stasi. Just he, does he spell his name with an X? Yeah. J A X. Roxy, it's X-X-X. not his real name. <laughs> Three X's. <laughs> they are the most toxic, horrifying people. And I just like I want to watch every second of their lives. I want to just like <laughs> oh learn everything. Stasi is like the she does the least horrible things. Like she doesn't ever cheat. She's the only one who doesn't cheat. Um, she doesn't specifically, like, stab her friends in the back or anything, but she's okay. so mean all the time. What the fuck? She's so mean. She <laughs> says the meanest thing. atrocious, Mikey. It's, but she's very funny about it. And it's just, like, the things she says to people are, like, whatever the meanest thing you can think of in the moment, she just says it. And then it's, like, to her friends. And Jax, he just constantly lies for no reason Usually because he's cheated on his girlfriend or is cheating with somebody else. And he just says things that are just like, he can look you in the eye and just lie. It's so funny. It's so good. I can't recommend it enough. Vander Pump rules. It rules. Okay, cool. I don't think I'm going to be checking it out. That sounds like exactly not the type of show for me. But Mikey, I bet you turn some people listening on to uh, maybe their new favorite show. God, I hope so. <laughs> Um, the thing that made me happy this week was a big surprise video game related. I bet you couldn't see that. You love video games. <laughs> I do. It's true. But despite how much I love video games, I had never gotten a platinum trophy before until this week. I got oh. my first platinum trophy ever. Wow. Uh, which is what game? Sweet. 
It was on uh, Little Nightmares 2, actually. Hell yeah. Uh, and so many of the achievements were just fun, like finding little secrets within the world and the setting that were just really neat. It wasn't mm-hmm. challenge-based, really. You know, I don't know, beat the game in an hour and don't die or something. It wasn't something crazy like that. So it was a mm-hmm. lot of fun to, like, look for little secrets and everything in it. It was it was a very fun platinum trophy to get. I'd love to do it all over again. Wow. Fact. You can. <laughs> just delete all my data. Just delete <laughs> your PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. it comes back. Just throw it out the window and get new ones. <laughs> That's how you do it. Now, Roxy, every week, DemonBot hires a new guard to keep us in the scary basement. Yeah, oh so, boy, does he. And each week we have to think of a plan to get out. I have a plan for this week. Are you ready for it? Okay. Yes. What is it? I'm going to put nails in between my fingers like Wolverine? Like, did you ever do this when you were a kid? Like, with knives? You'd put, like, three knives in between your fingers and make a fist? And it was like you were Wolverine? Uh, not with knives, specifically, because those are quite dangerous. But I feel like I've done that before with something. <laughs> I'm, I've got a bunch of nails here. Okay, cool. Are I'm they, uh, them... cursed nails? They like No, they're just regular. Because I brought them from home. Oh, okay, good. That's smart thinking. The, they're long. Don't use anything down here. It's going to fucking no, curse you. It's covered in larva. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to put these nails in my fingers and I'm going to punch whatever is guarding the door there. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, here we Which go. This means you're going first. <laughs> it's a Nosferatu. Don't worry, I'll hit him with my nail hand. What? Ah! It is a vampire. Ah! Ah! I put the nails in backwards. God damn it, Mikey. Okay. I pull at least down with the flat end and stand myself in the palm. Mikey, he's catching up here. Let me drag <laughs> you up. Upstairs. My palm reader is not gonna like this.